You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Marcus Black, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Man, I am looking forward to this conversation. It is a pleasure to be here, brother. So grateful to be connected and thankful for the opportunity to share with you. And you know what's really awesome is we're both in the same state. That's pretty rare. We are in the same state and relatively close and connected to so such a powerful community of the same like-minded, like-hearted people. So amazing. Yeah, it is. When you were a teenager, you were in a car accident that everyone said should have killed you. And it was the catalyst for a powerful change in the entire trajectory of your life. We'll get into that in a minute. But first, I'd love for you to share some of your backstory and then what happened the day you got into that accident. Absolutely, my brother. Well, I actually grew up in the church. So I always tell people I had a drug problem growing up. People are like, there's always that gasp. And I'm like, yeah, my mom drugged me to church every opportunity there was. Like, open the door. Every time the doors were open, we were in there. And so she was the church secretary. So I grew up in it. However, my relationship with God was not really evident or real until this situation I'll tell you about. But I grew up just in a humble beginnings, you know, small family in the heart of the South. And, you know, my parents fought to do the best they could, but there was a lot there. You know, my dad didn't have a relationship with the Lord. And you guys know, like anytime there's a void, a God-sized void in the pit of your core, you try to fill that void. And if you fill it with anything other than God, what happens? Destruction. What happens? Chaos. You know, the wages of sin is death. And so my dad literally struggled with alcoholism. He tried to fill that void with alcohol. He tried to fill that void with gambling. He tried to fill that void with all types of other things other than God. And that was a recipe for disaster. So little me grew up in this chaos, but my mom was still fighting for our ability to have a relationship with the Lord. She was fighting for our future. She was fighting to give us a foundation of faith. So I had it, but I didn't have it. It was kind of like going through the motions. And I feel like almost every believer probably at some point, unless you get saved later in life and you build a relationship with Christ later in life, most of the time you have that. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm living on the faith of my parents. I'm living on the faith of my pastors until God comes and he has his transformational moment, his transformative moment with you, just like he did with Saul. And he had that moment with myself. And the moment happened literally when I was a teenage boy with my youth group and we were going to an event after church. And when we decided to go literally to the Battle of the Bands in Memphis, Tennessee, I'll never forget. We went and we had a great time there. But it was on the way back. A few friends of mine and I, actually my pastor's son, his brother and another best friend, we had driven to this place because there wasn't enough room in the van and there were too many kids who wanted to go. So we decided we were older. We drove to make room for some other littles to be able to go on this youth group outing. Mm -hmm. And on our way back, it was a routine night in the car. It was just smoothly sailing home. We're going about 75 miles per hour on the highway. And the next thing I know, I'm dozing off, which is okay because I'm not driving. And I hear one of the loudest sounds I've ever heard in my life. It was a boom explosion. And I don't know about you, but that's not a sign 
or a sound that you would love to hear while inside of a vehicle traveling at 75 miles per hour. And the next thing I know, the car was jumping up and down. The car was fishtailing. And then we fly off the highway, Dukes of Hazard style, nearing a bridge down deep into this median in the wood, in a wooded forest. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Glass was slapping me in my face, my head tossed to and fro. I literally had trees hitting me in my face before, boom, we finally hit a massive tree. And that tree caused the car to accordion and scrunch. And in that moment, I could think of a million and one ways I could have, should have, would have been dead. I just knew that was the end. I knew that I was about to go home and meet my Lord before I ever got a chance to really live life. And that was a catastrophic thought. But spoiler alert, you're listening to the sound of my voice, which means God had other plans for that situation. God had other plans for my life. And so not only did he spare me, all four of us walked away from that mangled car. Wow. And that was the beginning of God setting me on my path to purpose. What happened that caused the accident, Marcus? It was actually a blowout and the rim caught the highway the wrong way and it sent us barreling off the highway. It was crazy. I'm just amazed that all four of you literally walked away from that accident. I was amazed as well. Like the next day, my friend whose dad was the pastor preached a sermon and he he included that story. And he said, the reason we walked away is because there was a fifth person in that car with us. And that person <laughs> was Jesus. And he did whatever he needed to do. You know, there's doctors that say we should have died. We should have died upon impact. We, I mean, there's all these different ways we should have died. But at the end of the day, God had other plans. And every person who was into that car has devoted their life to service, like three of which in ministry and one of which in the United States military. What is it that went through your mind after this and you walked away? You said there was a major decision that you made. Absolutely. So when I walked away from this, I found myself actually for a season wrestling with God because I wonder, why me? Why did I go through this? Why did I go through so much pain? Why did I have to be born into poverty? Why did I have to be born into abuse? Why did I have to be born into chaos? And maybe some of you are listening to the sound of my voice and you've had those conversations with God also. Why did I lose this career that I poured my everything into? Why did I lose this spouse? Why did I lose a child? Why, why, why? We ask this question and we get in this headspace. And I asked that question for a couple of years before I, I had a revelation. And the revelation was this. I almost felt like God was telling me, son, you're never going to get an answer to that question. Obviously, the word tells us his ways and his thoughts are not like ours. But I realized and had that revelation because I had been asking the wrong question. The question was never, why me? But rather, the question was always, what for? And when I had that revelation, I realized God doesn't do anything by mistake and he doesn't do anything by chance. Everything that he's given you in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly and the indifferent will work together if you are moving forward towards his plan and purpose for you. And so once I realized that, all of that pain gained a purpose and I packaged it in service to him, in service to his children and in service to creating impact. And the rest of the story has been a movie that 
Steven Spielberg himself couldn't write because <laughs> God is just incredible like that. Someone listening to this is probably thinking, okay, I've had all these challenges in my life. In my heart, I truly want to align myself with whatever God wants me to do. What would you recommend as the first step? What's the most critical thing someone to do to get out of that headspace and get into the right trajectory of, for their life? The biggest and most important thing you can do if you really want to live a, a, a life pleasing to God and the life that he so desires you to live is to submit your mind and your heart fully to him. You have to make a choice in your mind that you don't always know what's best. And just because you've been taught or just because you've lived these experiences does not mean that is correct or right. So what I'm telling you is very simple, but it's not easy. Simple and easy are not the same thing. It's not easy to make up in your mind to say, okay, God, I've done this my way for so long, and that's led to headache, that's led to heartache, that's led to pain and adversity. I want to do this your way. Now, that's not easy, but it is simple, and it is you choosing every single day to surrender. What does surrender mean? It means I'm not going to try to force a square peg into a round hole. I'm not going to try to force my will and my way and control every single element of what's happening in my life, which leads to anxiety, which leads to all of these things that we feel. No, no, no. I'm going to trust with all faith that wherever God leads me today, is where he wants me to be. And I'm going to look not for what's wrong. I'm not going to look for what I don't have. I'm not going to look at the void in my life. I'm going to start with what I do have. And I'm going to look for our opportunities to serve him and to serve his children. And if you look and approach every single day that way, then you will find the beauty in every day Literally, your depression will diminish, your anxiety will diminish, your hope will increase, your faith will increase as you fulfill the plan and purpose for your life. There's so much that God wants to unwind in us and help us move in the direction that he wants us to. As you move into this space, how did you experience the unwinding of things and then the peace and the ability to be in his presence in a way that you didn't feel like you were striving, you didn't feel like you were under a whole bunch of pressure? Yeah, that's an incredible question, brother. And I feel like for the longest, I had my wilderness experience where I literally felt like I was wandering through the wilderness. I f after all of that and after submitting my heart, it wasn't this pretty perfect picture. Mm -hmm. It was tough. It was difficult to navigate. I didn't know the best way to be a father or to be a husband or to just be a follower of him. And so I just was putting one foot in front of the other, but it was chaos. It was turmoil. It was now I'm losing jobs after job due to budget cuts after a recession economy. And I'm like, what is happening? Why is this such a struggle? And I'm being denied for jobs after going on five interviews and being told you're overqualified or being down to the last two candidates. And we went with this person for X, Y, Z reason. I happened about five times. That's brutal. 
Yes, yes, it was. And I began to become really disheartened. But I realized along the way that that entire time, God was doing something so significant and he was protecting the purpose he had for me by not allowing those things to happen. And this is the paradigm shift we must make. I liken that season to being in the wilderness. But guess what? If you think about the actual wilderness, when you're out there, some things happen when you're in that space. You learn to hunt. In the wilderness, you learn to fish and gather. You learn to create shelter. There were some tools that God placed into my tool belt that he knew I was going to use later to inspire hearts and minds to transformation all around the world. And I didn't even realize that was happening. All My job was to just keep going, to mm-hmm. not throw in the towel, to not get too discouraged, and to keep placing one foot in front of the other, which is what I did. And then God honored his faithfulness by opening the doors and by pointing me on the path to everything I'm doing today. So how long was that experience in trying to get jobs and then getting rejected in those five different times? That lasted about five years. Oh, Marcus. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a short time. It was like, you know, I I was trying to get a job, and so I was working temporary jobs, and I won't name the companies, but there were budget cuts, big budget cuts, and so I'm losing this job, starting another temporary job. I'm interviewing for full-time jobs, budget cuts. One of those temporary jobs I held down for 13 months before they got budget cuts, and Mm. it was just like a brutal cycle, and then there were these jobs I really wanted or I thought I really wanted. But looking back, I know that God knows had I gotten trapped into any one of those seats, it would have kept me from what I'm doing today, which was the plan he had for me all along. You're married. You've got children during this season, right? Yes. Yeah. So you're like, I've got to provide. I've got to do what it takes. Head down. Let's go. But you're still dealing with this challenge in this five-year window what was he teaching you? you? You alluded to this. You said there were some specific tools he was putting in your tool belt. What springs to mind as a couple that he was putting in your tool belt during that difficult season? Well, the first thing is to always rely on him, right? It's easy to have a faith you know, when everything's going good and to proclaim God. But when things are not so great, it's not as easy for you to lean into him. That's when you want to take matters into your own hands. And so I had to really learn where my quote unquote manna comes from or where my provision comes from. I had to learn to really rely and depend on God. But also in that season, I learned resourcefulness. I learned creatively how to take what I do have rather than focusing on what I don't have and start building. And it was just a day by day trust for God to provide what I needed that day. I know in that season, one of the worst things I can recall to happen, I've been married about two years at the time. We had a newborn. He was about six months old and we had no money and no ability to even have food for us or for him. He needed diapers and food. We had none. And this is not something I suggest, but it's just the season I was in. My bank account had overdraft protection, which is where they would allow me to intentionally go overdraft and just charge me for it on the back end. And I was like, okay, this is the only option I have. I don't want to do this. But I went to the store and I figured, well, if we're here, we might as well make it count. So I got enough food to last us until there would be more income coming in. I got enough diapers. I got multiple big packs and I had 
a lot of formula because my wife had some things that were keeping her from breastfeeding. So here we were, right? And I got all of this stuff. And we got to the register and that number started climbing much more than I had anticipated. And I was like, oh, Lord, I was just praying that it would work out. I was praying that this would not decline. And in that moment, the card actually did decline. And so then this was probably a low point in that season. My wife was looking at me with tears in her eyes, like, what are we going to do? And I didn't have an answer for her. And I looked into the eyes of my six-month-old son, heartbroken, thinking, I can't even feed you right now. I don't even know what I'm going to do. And so we start to walk away and my wife is crying and I'm feeling overwhelmed. And before we could get out of the door, there was a young lady. She was yelling, sir, sir, stop. And I was thinking, she's not talking to me. So I just kept walking and she (laughs) ran me down. She grabbed me and said, can you come back, sir? What happened? And I said, well, we just can't afford this right now. And she said, well, I can. So come back and let me take care of it. And I said, no, ma'am, no, I can't let you do that. The bill's $363, I remember. And I said, I can't allow you to do that. And she said, you can't stop me from doing what I want to do. (laughs) And she like almost drugged me back. So we get back. And then she says, can you bring that back up? I want to pay for his food. And the cashier said, no, ma'am, that's too much. I can't allow you to do that. And she said, you don't have a choice, sir. I'm going to pay for this. And she wound up paying for it. I didn't know how to thank her. I didn't get her information. I kept that receipt to this very day as a reminder of God's faithfulness. And I was on my way to the car. I ran back to try to find her and get her information because I wanted to repay her one day. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, she wasn't there. She wasn't inside and I didn't see her come out. And I've never seen her again to this day. I've seen that cashier again who told her no (laughs) many times, but I've never seen her again. And I share that because I want you guys to know in your lowest season, God is always there. His provision is always there. He will never leave you without. Sometimes it comes in the form of his other children and their stories and their obedience. But just know my faith was forever locked in that day because I knew that no matter what, God was always going to show up and show out. And I now charge myself to always do the same. You just never know how God is using us in someone else's story, because that was a pivotal moment in allowing us to hold on. And like I said, I still have that receipt to this day. That's powerful, man. As you're sharing this story, I'm thinking back again to that five-year window that you experienced. And what I keep getting is this image, Marcus, of you during that five-year period, opening your hands up more and more toward the Lord where they're just now wide open, hands up, and you recognize 100% that it's all from him, through him, and to him, that you could not do this on your own. He was literally, as the sovereign Lord of the universe, ordering your footsteps, even though you were walking through the valley. Yes, 100%. That's a great way to summarize that season. And it's been that way continually now. Now people think I'm crazy because when the Bible says counted all joy, like when you find yourself in these difficult situations, I literally do. I'm like, oh, God, I can't wait to see how you're going to flex your muscles in this one. And people are like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, he's done it too many times. Yeah, He's shown me again and again and again and again. So he's done that in your life as well. At what point do we as believers begin to trust 
him and what he said he was going to do based off his track record. We feel like we continue to find ourselves questioning. I don't know how this is going to work out. God, how are you going to provide or is this ever going to work out? Please help. And it's like he was asking the disciples after performing multiple miracles. Why do you have so little faith? You've seen what I can do in your life. And that's my question for you. You've seen what he can and will do, and he wants to do even more in and through your life. Should you surrender your heart? Should you open your hands and freely let him flow and work through you as a living vessel? As you're sharing that truth, I'm thinking of my own life. I'm surveying that in my mind and how my knee-jerk response over the years when I would meet those areas of challenge for provision, for example, I would get all tensed up. I'd get this pit in my stomach, and I would start worrying. And even though I knew scripture and I would speak it over the situation, it did nothing. And it goes back to what you said. What was your choice? What was the choice you made after that car accident? It it started with a choice. And so I experienced that in my own life with respect to his provision is choosing. You literally have to change the thought process, don't you, Marcus? Yes, you do. Where you say, okay, this doesn't look good, but I'm going to stop right now and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to thank you that you're going to show up. That's what you're saying. Yes, sir. It's happened again and again and again in my life. And even literally last week, I don't know how to tell you 20-year-old stories. Last week, we had some unexpected medical emergencies that you guys know as well as I. Those produce nice and pretty bills Mm -hmm. for you and your family. And I had some other things that I was responsible for. And so I was like, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust you. And I literally had three days to come up with this and that for the things that we were responsible for. And on the third day, God provided like way more than what I needed. And it's like, I knew it's like, I had full faith. Even my, my family were like, why are you not losing it? I'm like, because God has already shown me too many times in my life what he is capable of doing and what he wants to do when our faith is forward in what he has the ability to do. So good. Fast forwarding to now with respect to your life, what is it you're doing? What things are you involved in? Because the Lord is bringing honor to you in pretty astounding ways. And I'm so grateful to see that. Man, it has been a remarkable journey. So after that, on the tail ends of that wilderness season, I was hired to work in a mega church as a director of discipleship, which was mind blowing because I went to school for psychology. Now I went to a Christian school, so I did have a biblical foundation, but I didn't go to school for theology. And I asked them on the day they hired me, why would you hire me? I don't have the necessary credentials. And they said, son, you have the only credentials you need, which is a heart for God and a heart for his people. And I was blown away. I did that for five years. And then I stepped outside of that to step into the mission field called Life, you know, the church without walls, Mm -hmm. and to reach people all over the world across many vocations, across many countries for him. And so I've been able to gain a little bit of esteem in the personal development world. So I've been able to travel literally all over the world and virtually speaking in multiple countries, speaking to business people, speaking in events, speaking in schools, universities, and nonprofits. 
just pouring love and light and life into people and been able to help a lot of people along the way. And then God also aligned my path with this incredible human being whose name is Ashley Faye Brandstetter and aligned to our families. And she and I now co-host a faith-based personal development conference because there's no shortage of personal development conferences, but ones that incorporate faith, ones that teach you that when God is the CEO of your business, ones that teach you the role he plays in the person of a business professional, like it's been able to be astronomical. We've transformed hearts. We've done this multiple times, been able to attract some of the greatest speakers literally on the planet. And we've impacted a lot of people. We've seen people give their heart to Christ. We've seen people baptized. So just being a part of that, moving that experience forward, and then God just moving me wherever he wants me. My goal these days is to just not get in his way. God, you just send me where you want me to go. Send me and I'll go. After the five years at the church, you said you transitioned into going outside the walls of the church doing speaking. What was the message that you were sharing? Well, what God communicated to me in that time, because I went through a three week intense water fast. I mean, it was like I'm warring because I felt there's a lot of people who've given up on God. There's a lot of people who want nothing to do with him. There's a lot of people who've been hurt by other people who represent God. And so they blame God and they've given up. And I felt God spurring me, the spirit telling me, you have to go and get them, son. And I was afraid of that. And I didn't want to do that. And I didn't know how to do that. But after that season of fasting, I had clarity of what I was supposed to do. So I went out and decided I'm going to teach all biblical principles without hammering scripture. And then once I earned the trust, people would ask me, how can you think like this? How do you have this positive joy in your heart and your soul with everything you've been through? And then I have my avenue to tell them, listen, it's nothing but God in heaven who made me, who created me, who saved me and who put me on this path. And so I've been able to reach people that way. So the message when I stepped out was your pain has a purpose and you're not defined by anything you've experienced. And so it was a message of hope. And when I stepped into businesses, it was the person behind the professional. Every one of you was a person before you were a professional. And until the person you are is whole, the professional will never be as productive as possible. So this kind of led me to, you know, being able to share my testimony. And then it led me to be able to have many conversations on the back end about my faith story. What was the first public discussion you had outside the church walls? Where was that invitation? Was it another church? Was it a business? What did that look like? I will never forget the first. It was actually someone who was under my leadership at the church. And she always told me, son, you have a gift. God wants to do something tremendous through you. And I just didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see what she saw, but she recorded one day and she said, look at this room, son. When you communicate, everyone leans in. And she showed me and I was like, oh, wow. Hmm. Okay. And so she's an incredible human being, Miss Tamara Nelson. And she has a nonprofit called Socks of Love. And one day she was just downtown passing out food to the homeless population in Oklahoma City. And they literally were like, you know, thank you so much. But it was freezing. And she noticed they didn't even have socks. Many had holes in their socks and it just burdened her heart. So she started a nonprofit called Socks of Love. And she had people donate socks or money for socks. And she would just go and pass out socks in the winter. Well, then 
one lady told her one day, well, thank you for the socks, but I don't know why you keep bringing these. We have no way to clean them. So we wear them for a week and then, then they're trash. And so she, it burdened her heart, but she started another nonprofit called Laundry of Love, Oklahoma. Wow. And now they do laundry for the homeless population as well. And so it was her organization. She invited me to speak to her team, her volunteers, her donors, and everybody who helps her make that dream a reality. So I got to speak life into them. And I got to speak to them about what it means to be a hero in this world. Not the kind that parade around in capes and tights, but the kind who <laughs> does what God put them on the planet to do, which is all about reaching the next person, serving the next person. And so that I'll never forget that experience. When you finished speaking to that group, Marcus, what was it that bubbled up inside of you? Do you have any recollection of what you sensed in terms of destiny? Yes, I definitely was overwhelmed with emotion. This is how you know that what I'm doing is of God. I literally just accepted an award for being an inspiration and motivational speaker in front of nearly a thousand people in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I stood up proclaiming to them. And so to accept that and to be where I am, it's like I almost had that vision long ago, but I can't take credit for it because I failed public speaking in college. I'm not that talented. I'm not that good. It's the obedience and the submission to him and him driving me in front of the people to be able to articulate a message and inspire hearts. And I felt it that very first time. And I felt like, okay, God, I was afraid. I still don't like being in front of people. I was deathly afraid, but I said, okay, God, if you want to use this, and I had a sense that he did in a major way, just let me get out of your way. And I'm going to be the willing vessel, no matter how uncomfortable it makes me. And I just had this feeling that it was going to get crazy and it's gotten massive. Dude, seriously, you failed public speaking in college? I sure did. People don't be people do not <laughs> believe me to this day. I'm like, no, I, t I definitely did. That is just incredible to me. I love that. That's how you know I can't take credit for it. It's nothing but God. As you were leaning into this gift, I'm curious, did that ever come back to haunt you? That thought, I, I failed public speaking. What am I doing up here? And it did for a little while, but once I really sat in, there was an experience I had. Actually, it was when I was still in the church. So I never wanted to get on their stage because I always had that thought in my brain. Mm -hmm. But there was a lady who was struggling so bad one day. She was hurting so bad. For the first time ever, I pushed my notes off the table and I just began to pour love and life and hope into her. And that's the experience that changed everything. She was at the end of her rope and ready to give up and... That's when the revelation went off. Son, when you are on stage, when God gives you a platform, it's not for you and it's not about you. Every time we are in front of any group of people, someone is at the end of their rope and in need of a lifeline. So I had to remove myself out of the way so that I could fulfill. So now it doesn't come back. After that moment, it hasn't been back Like because it's not about me. It's yeah. about what he wants to do through me to be a lifeline for those who are at the end of their rope. You were literally just standing up and being completely authentic, pouring out from the heart of hearts in you. How can people find out more about you, Marcus? You can connect with me on social media. I'm at M 
Black Speaks Everywhere. And I would be happy to connect with you. We can chat or you can visit my website, www.mblackspeaks.com. There's some free resources there as well. And you can learn about me. I also have a book that was published by some mutual friends of ours, and it's called The Sleep at the Wheel, Taking Back Control of Your Life. And that's the wake up call God gave me in my life and that purpose journey, pointing people back to the path that he wanted them to be on. So, yeah, that's how you can find me. Perfect. As we finish here, I'd love to have you pray for our listeners, please. I would be honored. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you with our heads bowed and our hearts humbled at who you are, at who you've always been, and at just the magnificence of you, the splendor of you and your divine spirit. I just ask right now, for every mind, every heart, and every set of ears listening to this message, that they would feel the peace that comes from you and your spirit, but they would also feel the call on their own lives to go and walk out their faith story, to go and trust not themselves, but to trust you and the plan and purpose you have for their life, that they will feel convicted that it's them that should be out in the world spreading your love, spreading your hope, spreading your light, and that they will not diminish or allow the lies of the enemy to trick their minds into thinking they're anything less than, but to realize that it's you who has empowered them to go and make a tremendous difference. I pray that you bless them, bless their families in every area of their life and keep them safe, whole, and well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Marcus. Loved hanging out with you and hearing your story. Yes, sir. It was a blessing. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.